Well, welcome to Coffee with Vern, a time where we have intentional conversations about the gospel and we desire to talk about theological truth. Thanks for joining us. We hope you can learn and grow and be fed through this. Boker Tov, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to Coffee with Vern. Reformation month is still on. Jesse, it's early, man. It is early. We're up here at 8 o'clock. I've been up here since 6 this morning. I am tired. I don't think we've ever recorded this early. We haven't. It's I've never heard the church this quiet when we're recording. <laughs> and so this is pretty uh, unique. Yeah. But uh, we are excited. Yes, it's the last. It's it, it's exciting it? and sad. Is this really it? This is it. So this yes. is the last Reformation series episode of the year. Yeah. Cue the sad music. Gosh, dude. Like, oh, man. I know. This is, I, maybe I'm a little partial. It's my favorite. I do love this. Favorite time season, this favorite episodes, yeah. all that. Man. Well, hey, we have great. a fun Sunday night coming, though, for youth. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, youth, if you are out there listening, you better dress up as your favorite reformer, Puritan, <laughs> theologian, preacher, Bible character, excuse me, Bible figure, but no animals. All right, so let's not go any further before we oh, no. recognize the elephant in the room. No. Something rather monumental <laughs> happened in your life over the yeah. weekend. Yeah. Please, please share. Share with everyone. Oh, man. I don't like being put on the spot. Oh, no. well. I'm, you can, you'll be all right. You earned yourself this seat next week, which you did. <laughs> yeah. So me and old Caps, me and old Anna got engaged. If I hear one more person come up to me and say it's about time, then <laughs> they might lose a tooth. I love you. I do. But I'm so sick of hearing that. Oh, uh, man. Hey, it was in God's timing. If it would have been in any other time of life, any other season, it wouldn't have been what it is. Right. The Lord is the providential. is perfect. And he is sovereign. And so I'm very thankful. But yeah, we... We went up hiking our favorite spot, Rainbow Falls, up in uh, it's right on the corner of North Carolina, South Carolina. It's a pretty not a strenuous hike, but it's a challenging hike if you don't hike a lot. And it's one of our favorite spots. And I have this picture. Sorry, you probably don't care about the story, but I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, you know they do. I, I don't really do this kind of stuff, so take it when you can get it, okay? <laughs> um, but I have this picture of Anna on my desk, and it's her out on that rock. And there's like a 50-foot fall, but it's really pretty. And my goal is to us go hike it every season. You see the seasons of it. And so I've been looking at that picture for months. I was like, that's where it's going to be. So she started doing dance moves that she should never do. <laughs> painful to watch. but Her dance moves and your running, you guys go together. Oh, come on, man. You're making fun of my running now. We're supposed to make fun of her running. I'm just saying you look man, like Gumby when you run. That's painful. <laughs> but it's a, yeah. So Miss Caps is... Well, now I think future. I speak for everybody when we say how excited we are. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I am. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, she yeah. Uh, she is my best friend. So I, I don't do every, well on this podcast. I think people. every <laughs> woman who listens to this podcast just at the same time said, "Oh, uh, well, I love her." Or shed so. a tear. I feel like I did pretty good on the ring, but mm -hmm. yep. So that was that was fun, and so that was. Might have been why I was off last week because I was a nervous wreck the whole week, stressed out beyond my mind. But now I'm loose and back and ready. Yeah. 
Um, and so it's exciting times in the life of James and Anna. But Jimothy Barnes, the popsicle boy. Jim, you're the one putting the sticky notes everywhere, aren't you? <laughs> we were wondering. What are you talking about? Popsicle boy was here. I got it. Okay. But I thought it looked like your handwriting. But yeah, so, hey, we have a giveaway. We do have a giveaway. You and know? It, <laughs> and what's an, so funny about that giveaway? giveaway. Like, guys, we want to give you stuff. We want to give you stuff. We we bought things for you guys. But you got to follow instructions. But you, yeah. <laughs> and you got to do it. Now, I'll, let's, we, let's go ahead and state this. If you're sharing these things and it's on private, though, we, we can't see We can't see tell it. who it is. So if you shared this, we had two shares. If you shared this past week's episode and you're and it was private and your name's not about to get called, please email me because we will gladly purchase you one of these, right? It's not, it's not that we're not wanting to pick anyone. Trust me. We're just going off of what <laughs> the credentials are and requirements. Like I know the number of people who watch the videos right. and who listen to the podcast of it. And, and we had two people yeah. share it. <laughs> listen, I, but I want to tell y'all, y'all are competing with the queen of sharing. Yeah. Um, and that is my now fiance, because every time there's a book giveaway, you best believe she's sharing that thing. Yeah. Cause me and her it. are nerds. Okay. So don't so, cry nepotism. Yes. Do not say, Oh, you picked it because you put a ring on it. Yeah. No, I liked it. So I put a ring on it. She, but. she was the only share that we could see. Anna caps. You have won the journal, so I hope you're listening to this episode, and it's because you're the only one who followed instructions. <laughs> but if you were the other share, please reach out. We would love to hook you up with one. Yes. But, oh, Anna, this this is I, this is hilarious because last night I was buying stuff off of Missional Wear. Of course, and, as, as one commonly does. Right? Uh, I spent a lot of money there. Yeah. And she said, man, I want one of them journals. And I'm sitting there going, well, you get one. <laughs> so... This one says, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Westminster, catechism, confession of faith, all that good stuff. So, Anna, I will have this for you when I see you in two weeks. Um, <laughs> if you're the other person, reach out. And then next week we have one last giveaway. And if you think, well, oh, that's not a good giveaway. Hey, these stickers are actually legit. Yeah, I like these, stickers. These are there's five solo stickers. Um, and these are legit stickers. So I have one on my laptop. I've, he's got one on his fridge. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of them because every time you order from Missional Wear, they send you their logo one. Mm -hmm. They're good stickers. So one more time. And then we're going to do something for Puritan Month when we come back around. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. yeah. I, I got a question, Jesse. So yes, people were asking me, Okay. Um, will we ever do another Coffeewood Vern mug? Yeah. It probably won't have the five solos on the back. Um, yeah. We were talking and it'll probably have um, Shabbat Shalom on yeah. the back. They'll have a quote or something. Yeah. Yeah, but yes, absolutely. Maybe Boker Tove. They're uh, they're too easy and cheap to have made. Yeah, to not do it again. This was like two week turnaround. Yeah, and it was like five bucks, and it was fun. Yeah. So we, I, I thought maybe thought maybe we could do some for Christmas, and yeah, you could absolutely. if you want some presents. Yeah. But also, our goal is to get some little cards. Jesse, this was his idea with some QR codes on mm -hmm. it, right? So that you can advertise. Because again. Our whole means behind this is evangelism and discipleship. Yeah. I don't That's think we've ever thought about marketing in that yeah. since the podcast, but it was brought to our attention and we thought, well, I mean, why wouldn't we? Yeah. So. Like, let's get the word out to share Jesus. Right. Exactly. Um, funny story. And I'm, this is going to be a longer episode. Is that okay? Oh, I yeah, mean, we need fine. these kind of, is, is yeah. that okay? Oh, viewers. No. You, did you see it? I, I saw it. They just it. nodded their head. I saw 
Yeah. Calvin Luther just they saw it. So Spurs. uh there he is. Sorry. I forgot the oh, He's on the second level. Um <laughs> but uh, Sunday night, trunk or treat, uh yeah. some people from a different church downtown. Uh they're like, Man, we saw y'all have a podcast. Yeah. And I guess they saw it through the Facebook advertisement or something or either the sign. Yeah, so I think probably because we had that uh fall festival Facebook ad, they yeah. probably saw it and then went to the church's Facebook page and Checked well, out they all the are, they're Lutheran. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, that's awesome. Because they were like, dude, Martin Luther, that's yes. awesome. I was like, yeah. They came and you. checked out the uh, Bible Seekers Good. too. too so. I, I love, I'll tell you, I love my brothers and sisters in the faith, man. Mm-hmm. Um, sidebar, T4G, Together for the Gospel. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to join me. Um, it's the very last one they will ever do. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole concept is Presbyterians, Baptists, Lutherans, Anglicans, all of those of the Protestant faith who are claiming truth gathering together yeah so april yeah let's talk about that after okay hey are you ready for a good lesson today (laughs) on reformation but the first one is someone who i'm excited is about about as straightforward i love this guy as you can get he reminds me a lot of john knox i can see it yeah i can see it yep yep he's not scottish but yes he's violent yeah oh oh, yeah (laughs) it's funny that's uh what matt chandler's saying you need to be violent Violent about the faith, not in a, not in a, you know, yeah, it's it's like violent in a good way, but the first on our block of talking today, William Farrell, which love this guy is the Anglicanized version of his name. Say his name. I don't, I don't remember how. Say his name. It's like Guillaume. Guillaume. That's it. Cause I told you it looked like Guillaume. It's Guillaume. Yeah. So William Farrell. William Farrell. <laughs> Switch all you need to know. F A R E L Farrell. I am not French. I am excited about this guy because you know why? You know why. Well, I know why. Yeah. Hold on. While, uh, let me explain why. Hold on. Oh, here we go. But w- while that happens, I'll go ahead and say his name, his nickname, <laughs> the French Firebrand. Oh, here we go. He has his John Calvin shirt on for those of you just listening. So William Farrell, very closely associated with John Calvin. So William Farrell, born 1489, um, 15th century, and he died in 1565, September 13th. Yeah. Right, just so you see the time span where we've been talking about, we talked about John Wycliffe, excuse me, not Wycliffe, Wycliffe. <laughs> Man, words are hard earlier in the morning, Jesse. No, that's no joke. I've already had that issue. John Wycliffe, that was uh, 14th century, right? Um, we've talked about Luther a lot. He was born uh, similar in about the same time as we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. But just so you have some context of all the different times, William Tyndale was 15th century and all that. It's good to know. But 1489 to 1565, he was a student. And I just have some block points for you. Yeah. He was a student uh, at the University of Paris, which is a huge part of where um, that's going to springboard him essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, this, when he was a student, this was around the time that Luther began stirring up the reformation. Yeah. So this is right within 95 theses area. So you probably 15, 15, 15 to 20, all that area. Yeah. Right. So he's stirring the pot. Farrell during this time, <laughs> he essentially was debating against the reformation. So mm-hmm. Luther's stirring the pot in Germany. Farrell's in Paris. And he's like, nah, man, this ain't right. This ain't true. He was a devout Catholic while in the university, right? That's, <laughs> but, that was then. <laughs> but let's talk about a man who uh, came to be influential. Did you read about Jacobus or Jacobus? Uh, he was a Catholic theologian, Jacobus mm-hmm. Faber, 
who watched the Reformation very carefully. So essentially, I, I think it, it didn't say, but he was probably a, maybe a professor mm-hmm. or of some sort in the University of Paris or in that region. He's watching the Reformation very, very carefully take place. He was also a friend of another very important name, Desiderius or Desiderius, uh, and we always just call him Erasmus, mm-hmm. right? Erasmus, so you hear that name a lot. Martin yeah. Luther and Erasmus had writings against, against each, each other, other, which is <laughs> which we so talked funny. about, yeah. Um, but who was Erasmus? Very quickly, he was a Catholic theologian who strove to reform the Catholic Church from within. Yeah, he died a Catholic. He was a devout Catholic. He uh, he was very much the Lord has planted me here. And so this is where I'm going to grow. Yes. And this is where I'm going to do my work. Yeah, he wanted this. He wanted to change from within, yeah. not break off the change. Right. He had some strange views uh, compared to some of our Protestant brothers that right. we have talked a lot about. Right. But Erasmus had a desire to see Scripture become authority. Yeah. And, then, and that's the thing. He still saw the the problems and the issues, yes. and he spoke against them. So and so it wasn't like anything like he. I, I believe Erasmus was against indulgence and things like that, most mm-hmm. likely. Uh, his more was on, okay, the will. Where does the will fall into sin and things like that? Yeah. But his famous quote, something that many don't know about Erasmus, is a quote <laughs> that me and Jesse love. And it says, when I have a little money, I buy books. And if I have any left, I buy food and clothes. And if that's not true of my life, I don't know what is. I know. I was right? about to say, because we, I have that issue. Like if we go, oh, yeah. we're talking about missional wear again. If we go to missional wear and I'm like, man, I really want that shirt. My cart's full. And then I sit there and I'm like, but I could buy a book instead. <laughs> For me, it's like, dude, books. Yeah. Ah, I'll just drink coffee. I'll survive without food. Anna, we're going to be poor. And so, all right, that's who Erasmus is. So just to give you context, but Faber, uh, where does he fall in the life of Farrell? Faber assisted Farrell in getting his first job as a professor, professor of philosophy. Um, But also Farrell was made a preacher by Faber. Mm. So a Catholic preacher by Faber. Yeah. Now, this is where it gets fun. Well, I have I have an interesting quote by him. Yeah, please share. Um, before you get into the, William Farrell. Yeah, yeah the nitty please. gritty of his conversion. Um, just how when he he just kept watching Luther and the whole movement and stuff like that, yeah. and it it really just kind of clicked with him his growing convictions mm-hmm. that he was having. And the quote, "Little by little, the papacy fell from my heart." <sighs> Mm-hmm. And so it, it's like God's chiseling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I was awesome. thinking. Yeah. Awesome. There was a hammer going down in Germany. There was a hammer going down in Paris. Mm-hmm. One on a door and one on a heart. Dab. So good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just what how God came to bring Farrell to salvation is so cool. Because it's just a reminder of God's timing is perfect, mm-hmm. and he uses all things for his glory. So, yeah, although Pharaoh was in a church that was completely against the truth of the gospel, God used that yeah. to bring him to light. Oh, oh, it's so cool. So, Pharaoh comes to know Jesus through this. You ready for this? Pharaoh had a job as a preacher, and his job was appointing ministers. Yeah. Well, Pharaoh was appointing Protestant ministers, whether <laughs> he knew it or not. <laughs> And these boys came in talking about Luther and his teachings. Well, Pharaoh, uh, he comes to a knowledge of Jesus through all the Lutheran teachings. So essentially these guys he's appointed to be ministers, they're coming, they're teaching, they're discussing. Pharaoh starts learning, whoa, 
So uh, this is this is true, and that goes with right. your quote. Absolutely, the Lord was chiseling at the heart, and then it was like a revelation of, Lord, your scripture, the authority, it's real, right? Um, and so he comes to faith, he converts, and then immediately sides with the Reformation. Yeah. So essentially, what happens? Um, chiseling at heart, conversion, and regeneration. Um, sides of Reformation, he gets out of Dodge. He flees. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he, he immediately resigns like, from I'm teaching. Out. And he's like, all right, my job is to spread this thing. Now, what was the reason he left? What, did he re- leave? Because he's like, oh, man, I can't stay here. The ministry can't work here. No, it was a sense of, it was kind of like um, a a charging to evangelism and yeah. uh, uh, missions. Well, and see, he, he preached in France. Yeah. But how he got into Switzerland is he preached also in the French-speaking portions of yeah. Switzerland. It's just amazing to me because yeah. you just watch God springboard him yeah. into uh, missions and ministry. Absolutely. Because yeah. Farrell would, uh, most of the stuff I studied said that he would consider himself an evangelist. Yes. More than a preacher or pastor, he considered himself an evangelist. Which makes sense because he bounced around he traveled a much. lot. So after, and he got kicked out. Of a lot of places. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, again, there's a reason I like Farrell, right? Uh, My man was bold. He yeah. he understood the Acts boldness or yeah. the boldness of the book of Acts, what that looks like and means. And so pretty cool. But um, in Switzerland, he spent time with Zwingli. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Luther. <laughs> So my man Pharaoh is hearing all sides of what <laughs> hey, Reformation. Well, that's not what Zwingli said. That's not what Luther said. <laughs> so, but he spent Zwingli's time with them. They're eating sausages. Uh, <laughs> Luther's over there just drinking ale and cussing everybody <laughs> out. <laughs> and so it's just funny to me. Like uh, Pharaoh's the the cream and between the two cookies, he's the Oreo. <laughs> he cream. is, you know, <laughs> because he's hearing both sides, right? But he's the sweet part of the cookie. Um, and I so call him sweet. <laughs> uh, you could be gracious. And so, um, but he hung out with both of two of the magistrate reformers. Yeah. Um, and then Farrell fell in love and never looked back, never looked back. Yeah. Uh, he fell in love with the truth of the reformation, the truth of the gospel. And then he set his sights in his heart towards new Cattell, new Chattel, new Chattel. Mm-hmm. You're my pronunciator. I, I look most of these things up just I in don't. case. Um, I just use my redneck sling and go for it. New <laughs> Chattel. Um, and so after setting his sights for New Chattel, he went there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he convinced the town. This is what's amazing to me. How big was this town? I, I don't have that information. But he convinced the town to join into the Rever- Reformation. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you join this Reformation? But, but let's go back before New Chattel because you reminded me of something. Like we talked about he bounced around. Yeah. A lot, okay. So he ended up in I don't I didn't look this up, but it looks like Basel, Switzerland. This is right after he starts. He leaves around fifteen twenty one to start his you know evangelical mission work kind of thing, and so he winds up in this place in fifteen twenty four. Uh, he put out thirteen theses, okay, <laughs> which uh, sharply criticized Catholic doctrine, okay, and, and he defended it so much and so violently, I guess you could put it that way, that Erasmus demanded that he be expelled from the city. Like, kick this dude out. I don't even want to listen to this anymore. Get him out of here. Yes, my friend got him into the Catholic Church. Get him out of here. And so, yeah. And so, um, from there, another um, Reformation big name, that I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, 
but he he was there with Farrell. They had become friends, but he told Farrell this. <laughs> the more you are prone to violence, the more you must work on being gentle and tone down your line like outbursts by the spirit of a dove. Basically, he was saying, you need to tone it down, bro. Oh, man. Hold it together. So Farrell had a fire in him, man. Yeah, that's uh, why he reminds me of the fire. The and French fire brain. the French fire brain. Yes, ye. Um, but I, he, he headed towards Neuchâtel mm-hmm. with that fire. Yeah. Got the, tr- the the city to come into joining the Reformation. Did some ministry there, right? Then sets his sights on the big name. Geneva. Geneva. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you remember my Reformation nerds. This was a big city in Brother Calvin's life. And so let's get into it. Geneva was the next town Farrell went after. Mm-hmm. He set his sights on it. And so that's what I love about um, Farrell. You see a little bit of the Apostle Paul kind of mentality. Yeah. Let me set my affections. Let me go. Um, Farrell uh, went to Geneva, Geneva and faced much trial. He was yeah, beaten. He, he was shot at. Did you see that? No. My man was shot at yeah, for I, preaching. <laughs> um, and so, Which John Calvin would later admit that yeah. usually he brought upon himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I find, these, you know these two guys had to be roasting each other all the yeah, time. Well, that's how you know they were best friends because they weren't afraid to be like, dude, that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me and my college roommates. <laughs> you can't do that, man. Like, you can't do that. Um, he... he <laughs> I'm just thinking about this. Sorry, I, my nerdum goes like, man, what kind of conversations were they having? He he brought the Reformation to Geneva then yeah. in 1536. Yeah, he was a big part of that. And so he, he's getting beaten, he's getting shot at, he's getting thrown out, he's trying to escape by boat, but brings the Reformation 1536. And guess what? Guess who walks through the town in 1536? Well, and this is after Geneva officially sided with Protestants. Yes. Now, let me put that. Yeah, this is after they confess yeah. and go, yes, yeah. Reformation. So he could uh, he could calm down and he could focus his... They beat the tar out of him. Then they said, all right, Phil, you're yeah. right, man. We got you. So he could focus his violent passions elsewhere towards a certain person. Uh, yes. <laughs> and that he did. Um, <laughs> would you like to share who that was? Well, that none other than old John Calvin himself. Yes. And we're going to... I have to quote... <laughs> Yeah. All right. Geneva settles for the Reformation. Mm-hmm. He's not getting beaten no more. <laughs> Calvin starts strolling through town on his way to Strasbourg. He ain't coming to settle in Geneva. Yeah. He, uh, this book I was reading says he wanted to spend one night. Yeah. One night. And this is young John Calvin. Yeah. He, he was intent on leading a quiet life of scholarship. Yes. Yes. He's like, man, no, I'm good. Then he met Farrell. <laughs> Farrell hears about John Calvin coming through and goes, oh, this is an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and something that what I was telling Jesse earlier, what's amazing is my reading today talked about William Farrell and John Calvin and how Farrell was humble uh, and like Barnabas with Paul and desiring Calvin to come and preach and take this city that Farrell had done a lot of labor in yeah. and just preach. Yeah. Something I'm like, look at God being God, sovereignty, right? Um, but he heard and he goes after Calvin. Now, how does he convince Calvin? Well, let's let's read a little bit. Uh, so, thus far had the Reformation advanced in Geneva on the memorable evening when Calvin entered its gates. He had intended to remain only a single night in the city, but Farrell had been advised of his arrival and hurried at once to the inn to urge. I can see this dude going, whoa, whoa, get in there. Power right? Calvin, to, he urged Calvin to stay and help him at work, which he felt was beyond his ability. 
Yeah. The scene that followed was dramatic in the extreme and later became the subject of a famous painting. I got to find this. We need this for my office. Calvin, <laughs> shrinking with his whole soul from the task which Farrell sought to force upon him, made every excuse he could think of. Yeah. He was a studious man. He said he did not wish to bind himself to one church, but would endeavor to serve all. Yeah. But Farrell was not to be daunted. With something of the energy of an old Hebrew prophet, he suddenly <laughs> arose and placed himself dramatically before Calvin and proceeded in the most solemn manner to pronounce a curse yes. on the studies of Calvin. Here we go. If they kept him from coming to the help of the Lord, this great distress, I quote, this is Pharaoh, I declare unto thee on the part of God that if thou refuse to labor with us here in God's work, he will curse thee. For in pleading thy studies as an excuse for abandoning <laughs> us, thou seekest thyself more than God. Oh, man. Calvin tells us that this address filled him with such terror that he yeah, felt powerless is. to resist any longer. I got this oh. image of Pharaoh going, your studies are cursed. Calvin going, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me? Oh. oh, my gosh. So Pharaoh had a fire in him. Yeah. And uh, what we see is Calvin ended up staying. Uh, he ends up staying in... They, he stayed until 1538 when they both were kicked out. And we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the school of Geneva was started, mm -hmm. which is where Calvin taught. And yeah. there's much more to the story that we don't have time for. But right. essentially, what one thing I want to end on, which is really cool, is they stayed friends their whole life. Farrell was influential in finding Calvin's wife, and he was yes. the one who married them. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so cool. And yeah. they aided each other in ministry. Yeah. So we'll see. And Calvin eventually he went back to Geneva and he stayed. Farrell went back to Geneva with him for a couple of years, yes. and then he went and relocated back to Neuchâtel, and that's where he stayed until he died. And he he ended up, like you said, bringing the Reformation there and changing things there. They wrote to each other once a month for twenty years. I mean, they were tight. It's pretty. It's pretty unique. Yeah, um, it's cool. It's cool to see that. I kind just of a think partnership. when you study church history, if you don't see God's sovereignty working in His providence, right? Absolutely. I mean, look at God seriously doing what He can only do. So <laughs> William Farrell, man, one of my favorites. Yeah. And it's fun. It is. It's funny, you know, God's sovereignty because you have somebody like Farrell mm. who is the firebrand, and then you have Calvin, young Calvin, who you know maybe shuffled his feet a little bit. And yeah, was a little more interested in. His comfort and intellectualism. And Calvin's this guy that we make to be some bold, boisterous guy. And he may have been in the pulpit as yeah. a preacher, but Calvin was very humble, yeah, very dedicated to his studies and very dedicated to his people and flock. Yeah. And so just really cool story. Well, take me there, Jesse. We get to talk about the craziness of Bloody Mary today because Thomas Cranmer, unlike the last couple of guys we've talked about, uh, was a very political figure. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a lot of um, English history that we have to go through in his story because of his politics. I'm going to jump right into his education. He went to Cambridge, uh, and he began doing all his graduate studies and stuff like that. And he right after, he was ordained as a Catholic priest. So he jumped straight from fellowship straight into being a priest. So like all his studies went straight to that. And then he threw himself into being an outstanding theologian, which he was. He became one. And around 1520, he began to join other scholars in their meetings about what to do about Luther. So initially, Cranmer was in the group that was um, trying to figure out how to handle the Reformation's movement. Wow. He was very much interested, though, by Luther's theology. 
Um, so then he was thrown into politics. And I say thrown because this is another one of those yeah. God's sovereignty things. Because yep. Kramer's an interesting guy because people are split over him. A lot of people think he was a hypocrite because he was he was really wishy-washy. Yeah. He went back and forth at a lot of things. But I like the guy because when it mattered, when it counted, he came forward he and did the, for the right faith. thing. He stood for the faith. Yeah, I mean, everything I've ever studied on Kramer, and it's been very little, though, Yeah, uh, always spoke of how he did stand for the faith. He did. And you hear that from people. And he did, and he was not as, he was not the French firebrand, that's for sure. And he yeah, was no. not John Knox. And we'll see, he did stand up in certain aspects. But, man, in the end, he did. Um, but anyways, he was thrown into politics. And <laughs> what I mean is he just by happenstance to meet King Henry VIII, and they just started talking. Mm. And this was at the point where um, Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife. The Pope said no. We talked about this. Yes, um, yes. The Pope said no. Henry got mad. He separated. Starts his own church yeah. so he can divorce his wife. He separated, the, uh, Eng- he separated England from Rome and just so he could divorce his wife. So he got talking to Cranmer about it, and... Um, Thomas was like, well, I mean, you know, here's here's how you could justify it. Not that it's right, but, you know. And King Henry was like, I like you. <laughs> now you are, not like will you. You're going to write me a formal treatise backing my right to divorce my wife. Like, that's what you're going to do. And so Cranmer, who was a royalist, so he, he put, this was a fault of his, as he put the crown over the church a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, mm, okay, I guess I will. And so after that, he made him a European ambassador. Mm. So boom, Kramer goes from a just a priest, a smart priest, right. nobody knows about his leanings, and just shoots him up into a European ambassador. While an ambassador, uh, he met a Lutheran reformer named Andreas Osiander. Not only did Osiander's theology appeal to Kramer, so that like the, the, the theology he had already started studying, but like it, it started bringing it outward. Yeah. But he wasn't just interested in that. He was also interested in Osiander's niece. <laughs> right. So not only did he adopt Reformed theology at this point, he also married the niece. One the niece. <laughs> so I guess it's safe to say he wasn't a Catholic priest anymore at that point. <laughs> yeah. Anymore at that point. So he married her in 1532. And 1533. This is all going on at the same time as just to yes. bring you context. And so it, it, it just happens, boom, boom, boom. He goes from a nobody, a, a priest, to God's sovereignty, mm-hmm. meeting the king. The king, you know, the, it's now the Church of England. Right. The king consecrates him as the new Archbishop of Canterbury, which means he is the head of the He's entire over. Church yeah. of England. So <laughs> Thomas Cranmer is now over the entire Church of England. So, of course, uh, he now introduces Reformed teachings to the church. But then King Henry died. So, and, f- and uh, then 14, well, not yet. Not, not, well, yet. not yet, but after it's, King Henry, you start to see. Well, actually, he had this very beautiful period of peace after King Henry. And But there's calm before the storm. That's, and that's absolutely what it is. That's, yes. It is absolutely the calm before the storm. King Henry VIII died in four, uh, 1547 and was succeeded by Edward the sixth, right. young king. Very young and died, died when he young. Was, yeah, died of tuberculosis when he was only 15. But this kid was very, very pro-Protestant, pro-Reformed theology. And so he took the Church of England straight into Protestantism. Correct. I mean, so everything that Cranmer wanted secretly 
was now here. Was brought to fruition. And so he had this beautiful moment, you know, this beautiful time of peace where he could teach how he wanted to teach, preach how he wanted to preach, put in things to act how he wanted to, um, what he wanted to enact. In 1547, he published Book of Homilies, which required all clergy to preach Reformed doctrine. Okay. And then, you know this book, he also published in 1549 and then again in 1552, a revised version of the Book of Common Prayer. It was one of the most... Um, it's still one of the most read books. Yeah, but especially when we talked about the Puritans, uh, that was one of the books that most Puritans had in their library. I I don't want to like misquote, but it's in like, there's a, I've seen a lot of churches that have it on tap, almost like a hymnal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's still to this day. It's it's got some of the most widely known prayers yeah. among Christians. Um, but he uh, he then in 1553 published the 42 Articles, which moved England all the way into Reformed theology. Damn. Good for Cranmer. Good for England. Praise the Lord. Yes. Bad things happen. <laughs> so now the storm has arose. Yeah, uh, it was not it long. Here. It was like six years. Something to that effect. Oh, you're Edward, talking about Elizabeth's reign? I mean, excuse me, you're talking about Edward's reign? Yeah. Yeah, it was very short-lived. He died, like we and said. Of six years sounds like a long time. When you think about reigns, like R-E-I-G-N, yeah. not long. No, he he died in 1553. Um, and Cranmer backed Lady Jane Grey, which is who Edward wanted to ascend to the throne. Right. Um, she wasn't who would have been picked. Nope. But he made it to the point where he could skip over some people so that Lady Jane Grey could ascend to the You're throne about because in the lineage. She, was, she was very Protestant. She was right. very pro-Reformation. Edwards had a desire. King Edward had a desire. He was very to worried see. about yeah. England. Yeah. And so... He cared about the church, too, which right. was something you didn't see a lot. Exactly. And so he, he backed Lady Jane Grey. And she did ascend to the throne for nine days. Yep. Nine days. And then she was forcefully ousted. And Mary Tudor came. And, there she and the is. reign of Bloody Mary started. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many people actually do know about the historical context of Bloody Mary. It's probably just in the horror movie context of Bloody it, Mary. Yeah, uh, and Which sadly, is, the alcohol she, context. Of, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's most, to, I'm serious. Today, you someone will say Bloody Mary, and that's all they, they think about. They said the drink, yeah. yeah. And so she, she was, I don't even know how to put it. She was just evil. She was evil. I mean, she yeah. was pro-Catholic, 100%, um, wanted to move England back to Catholicism. The parliament repealed everything that King Henry did. It was as if it didn't happen. Everything Edwards did. Everything Cramer did, repealed it all. And then the worst part of it is they reintroduced the heresy laws. Yep. And that which is... Which is where all the... How many was it? Like 300? Over 300 people lost their life. Yeah. Under, because of that. And now that over 300 people were appointed to death by Bloody yeah. Mary. And so we talked about that, uh, was it last week, when a lot of those English reformers fled and came and stayed with Bullinger. Yeah. Um, that was because of Bloody Mary. Yeah. And this is this is where you see the birth of the Puritan age yeah, as well. Absolutely. So this is where the lines start crossing from Re Reformation into Puritanism. Puritanism. Yeah. And see, this was what's, it's so sad because... Kramer had nowhere to go. He, it's not like mm -hmm. he could just escape. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yeah. He was there. This was the moment where you stand up for what you yeah. believe in or you deny it all. Yeah. He couldn't escape because he right. was such a high profile. He was in politics. Right. And so he was immediately arrested um, for preaching what he preached. Um, and he was subjected to a long 
drawn out trial after two years in prison. After. Yeah, so this this is the part of mentally trying to tear yeah. him down. It was such a long trial. They wanted to humiliate him. Yeah. And so in 50, 1556, um, he was re- removed from his offices and handed over to be burned at the stake, um, which is a terrifying concept. And when I say a lot of people think he's a hypocrite, a lot of it has to do with what happened next. But I'll say this. The prospect of being burned at the stake is terrifying. Yeah. And if you're not absolutely grounded, it would be, and even if you are, like, I feel like the flesh part of ourselves, because we are human, the draw to try and save your own self would be enormous. Why do you think John Rogers went to his burning praying Psalm 51? Yeah. Like and clinging to scripture, he had, he knew he had to cling you have to it. To. <laughs> I mean, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I mean, amen. And that. so, yeah, and so I feel like he gets he gets a bad rap in that way. But man, you got put yourself in his shoes, shoes, yeah. and how much your flesh at that point would be screaming. It's funny how critics me out of here. try to roast uh, these some people like a Thomas Kramer, and it's like, you have no idea, though. You don't know. You're a 21st century yeah, comfortable we have Christian. No, we have not <laughs> even an inkling of what this yeah. would have been like. And you think about everything he's been through in his life. Yeah. And, and that's why I said they tried to tear him down mentally. Think about the time he was and in see, prison. That's, that's the thing, too. All you the have time a lot he's of time with prison, sit. he was probably mentally just worn down. Yeah, so you take all that into consideration. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm yeah. interested because I didn't know about this part you're about to talk about. Yeah, so he was he was just extremely depressed. He was trying to figure out a way to avoid the stake. That like his flesh was screaming, "Get me out of here." Yeah. And so um he they convinced him that he should repudiate the reformation and submit to Catholicism. And he said, "Fine. Fine. If that gets me a chance, I'll do that. And he signed a document confessing to all things Catholic. The awful thing is, and it is just, it's sad. It brings me almost to the point of tears because of what they did to him. They degraded him even to the point of making him sign this thing. Mm-hmm. They still were like, oh, thanks for that signed confession. We're still burning you at the stake. Yeah. What kills me about studying this stuff is the whole concept that they did it all in the name of god yeah but their god was themselves yeah absolutely yeah their god was their belly yeah so (laughs) they also wanted him on the day of his execution to come and read his signed confession that was part of the thing yeah you sign it but you also read it when we burn you at the stake right and so he he is he is just nothing anymore like he is just a fragment of who he was like I, i can imagine what he looked like just gaunt and just pale you know just like a a shell of who he was. And uh, when he was supposed to read what he was supposed to read, he did not. (laughs) No, he didn't. He instead um, said something else, and I I want to read it, quote, word for word. I come to the great thing that troubleth my conscience more than any other thing that I have ever said or did in my life. And he's referring to the confession that he signed, his recantations. All such bills which I have signed or written by my own hand are untrue. And as for the Pope, (laughs) I refuse him as Christ's enemy and Antichrist with all his false doctrine. And he tried to go on, but instead of letting him speak, they basically bull rushed him. They picked him up and they dragged him off to the stake at that very minute. Mm. And so they stoked the fires, the fire rose around him. This dude stuck his hand, his right hand into the fire, the one that signed the confession. And he said, 
this is the hand that offendeth. And he left him in the fire. He pulled it out one time to wipe the sweat off his face. And then he put it back in until it was nothing more than a stump. Mm. And then he said, Lord, receive my spirit. And he died. Mm. He purged that one part of himself. And then he gave up his spirit. Mm. Yeah. So. I th- you know, you you end Reformation Month on that. And yeah. you have to be reminded of... yeah. Look at what brothers and sisters, and I think next year we try to maybe deep dig because it's very hard to find what some of the the ladies did. Yeah, some of the wives were very influential, and you, man, it's hard to find the information on them. I've yeah. read just a little bit. Yeah, but you think about what these brothers and sisters did for the faith. Yeah, and it, the good man. thing is, within two years, Bloody Mary was gone. Yep, Elizabeth the first ascended to the throne and moved England entirely back yep. towards Protestantism, and she even adopted. She revised it a little, but she even adopted Cramer's forty-two articles. Yeah, um, so why I love Reformation Month and Puritan Month, or in the sense of like coffee with Vern, is because it just it takes me to those times. It reminds my heart of where we're at, mm-hmm. and it you hear it and. Take this with a grain of salt, but you hear their voices calling up yeah. from what they've gone through, yeah. yelling at you, don't lose hope. Oh, yeah. Keep pressing forward. Absolutely. And here, you know what the voice I hear? I hear something in my ear saying, always keep reforming. Mm. Keep reforming. And what that means is you, and again, it goes back to our first episode, to keep reforming means you constantly are looking to scriptures as your authority. And when we get off even a hue, you go, uh, uh, nope, this is what scripture says. Mm-hmm. If, if, uh, and it's like, you know, I want to close with this. Um, and then anything you want to add the five solas. Why is that so important? You do not claim the five solas. The scripture is not your soul authority. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts with sola scriptura. Yeah. Um, because that is the authority w- under which everything we do and so I think about as we move forward, what are some takeaways? If you've listened this long into the episode, what are some takeaways? For me, it's always keep reforming. And what that means is always look to scripture. Yeah. Don't look anywhere else but your scripture. Yeah. What is our authority? It's God's word. Yeah. And if you see your life coming off of it at all, Lord, convict me and draw me back. Yeah. Man, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for a great series. Thank you for... Uh, such a special time that me and Jesse get to have with this. Mm-hmm. We pray you've been fed, encouraged, and grown, and strengthened. And if we can ever help you at all with any resources, we would love to. Um, but you, we pray that you'll use this to share the gospel ultimately. Um, so no other words except, uh, I guess, Shabbat Shalom. Mm.